Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at montrosechurch.org. Have a great day. Good. You are the, uh, the brave pilgrims who made your way over and then uh, some refugees from the 9 a.m. Pasadena service that when they came in said, uh, well, you gave us a later choice, so we came. <laughs> I get that. So uh, the, we, we've made so much progress on the project uh, that, uh, for the sanctuary that uh, they said, you know, if you gave us one more Sunday, we could probably get tons of stuff done. And so we said, all right. Let's do it. So that's happening this week. And uh, if you're kind of keeping up, the destruction of everything uh, sort of wiped and finished uh, last week. And so now things are being built back in the sanctuary. And so you'll see that in a few weeks. In fact, uh, at some point along the way, well, we'll have an open house and let everybody walk through the partially finished. So you got an idea of what's going on and you can be a part of that excitement and anticipation and all that. I thought maybe since we're all together on this campus today, we'd do something different. So what I want to do is talk about the meaning of life. I thought if we just went ahead and answered that question this morning, <laughs> then, then we can just kind of get it out of the way. So that's what we're going to do. It turns out that knowing and understanding your purpose is a pretty important part of being uh, psychologically healthy that it has some impact on how we see the world and see ourselves and all of that. So we're going to talk about that today and how it might fit together. Viktor Frankl uh, is an interesting person, uh, a psychologist who was interned in a concentration camp during World War II. And he made a lot of observations. And one of the observations he made during that time was that the people who had a specific purpose did better under those very horrible circumstances than people that lacked purpose. And so he wrote in his mind, he tells the story in his book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, that, that during his time that he was in the concentration camp, he was writing and rewriting this book about psychological well-being and psychological health. And it sort of became his obsession along with his family uh, of how he got through it. And what he came to understand was something that has come to be known as logotherapy. And he said, here's the deal. Uh, there's a lot of things going on in the world of psychology that's kind of digging into what makes a human being a human being. But there's not a lot of work being done on the soul dimension of human beings. And it turns out that the soul dimension, our, our purpose in the world, has an impact on how well we behave. That in fact, when we have a clear purpose, we're more self-disciplined than when we have sort of a lack of purpose. And we suffer less from harmful things like depression and anxiety and, 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 and some of those things that can really, you know, impair us. And so what does he talk about when he talks about logotherapy? Well, he, he talks about three things that I think are really important. The first one is freedom of will. And what that basically means is that you and I do not get to choose the circumstances of our life. Amen? Amen? But we do get to choose how we respond to the circumstances of our life. Freedom of will just means that within the reality of our lives, we get to make some choices. We get to decide how to respond. 
You've heard it expressed in a lot of different ways, but the simple thing is to say, no matter what you're going through, no matter what your circumstances, we get to decide our attitude, our spirit, our perspective. Have you ever had that experience where somebody tells you a story about their life and you go, wow, if I were living that life, I would probably not see it like that. I would probably have a lower opinion. I would be more depressed. I'd be more sad, but way to go. That's an amazing perspective. Um, which of us are more like that? And which of us are more like, I, in all circumstances, I see the good. <laughs> he says, listen, part of purpose is understanding that within the context of your reality, each of us today, without changing a single thing, get to decide our attitude, our spirit, and our perspective. Not only does he say that first step is important, but will to meaning. And that just states that human beings are free to go achieve goals and find your purpose. We are free to, to, within the context of our lives, figure out what's meaningful and go pursue it. Put our energy and our life into it. That there is meaning in life to be discovered, and it's up to us to try to figure it all out and to spend the time and the energy and do the research and think about it and ponder it uh, and, and to, to just decide that we're going to be committed to finding meaning and purpose. Which leads to the third thing, and that is what he calls meaning in life. And this is where it kind of gets surprising. So this is what he says. He says, meaning in life is not subjective. It's not an illusion that actually you and I have an objective purpose for which to live. Which sort of gets back into the conversation about the soul dimension. Now, how we apply those purposes becomes very subjective. But he's saying there is a purpose in human beings' existence. In fact, if, to just quote him, maybe one of his most famous quotes, this is how he describes that objective purpose. Don't aim at success. The more you aim at it and make it a target, the more you're going to miss it. For success, like happiness, cannot be pursued. It must ensue. And it only does so as the unintended side effect of one's personal dedication to a cause greater than oneself or as the byproduct of one's surrender to a person other than oneself. What's our purpose? Our purpose is to do something wonderful with our lives. Our purpose is to do something uh, for a cause greater than ourselves. Our purpose is to do something for someone other than ourselves. That in the soul dimension, now I just want you to kind of, everybody doing okay? It's yes. a lot of information coming at you. Last service, we were under the gun to get everybody out by 945 so you had a place to park and you could get in the building. You have no such luck. <laughs> we, we don't have another service till 1130. We can be here all day. Just about. That in this soul dimension, you and I are invited to not just become insular in our story. In fact... Sometimes our story is so small that there's almost no hope of feeling joy. That there's not enough room in our little story for us to feel hope. There's not enough room in our... Because sometimes, don't you like verses like this? Count it pure joy when you go through temptation of every kind. <laughs> How does such a verse even exist? Why'd they even write it down? Why'd they put it in the book? Except that Joy can only be experienced in temptation if we live outside of our small story. 
Because down in our small story, there's some days when the stuff's going on in our story that we don't feel joy. Amen? And when Christians go, but you ought to just feel happy. No. Not down in that silo you're not going to feel happy because down in that silo it's hard and it's sad. But, but that's not all you are. That's not all you live for. There's something bigger than you. There's a bigger story in which you participate. There's a bigger purpose for your life. And we can't experience true purpose and meaning until we get in touch with this objective truth that there's something bigger than us to which we are created and to which we belong. Israel had a purpose. They don't seem to keep up with it very well, but, but we, if we know the story of the Old Testament, we know the, the purpose of Israel. It's pretty easy. Genesis twenty two seventeen. I will surely bless you. I'll make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you obeyed me. So what was the purpose of Israel? To bless the whole world. What was the purpose? To, to make a world that was a good place. To make a world that was full of the values of the kingdom of God. Justice, mercy, grace, kindness, thoughtfulness. All of that stuff. That was the purpose. And what did Israel do with that piece of information? Well, they did what human beings usually do. I'm pretty sure God is here for me. I'm pretty sure that what God wants to do is bless me, help me, fix me, and make me happy. So Israel veered off. They veered off very often. Isaiah tried to call them back. Isaiah 61 through 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you, and nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So it was always this clear thing. You're supposed to go make the world a better place. Jesus came along and he came into the world and he came into a culture that had turned that upside down. The Jews had decided that God's purpose was for them and not through them. And they had sort of become this space, this gathering place where they kept receiving the grace of God and the mercy of God and the help of God, but none of it was getting out. In fact, they had begun to shape the story of God around this idea we become better and better and better and better and more and more blessed and more and more pure and we shun people who are not pure. We give people who seem pure more credibility than people who don't seem pure. We celebrate them. We, we gravitate to the purity side. And Jesus came along and He did exactly the opposite. He kept showing up with the people who were not supposed to be included. He kept remembering that, listen, uh, the gospel was supposed to enter over here and spill out over here. But you've clogged it all up with your bureaucracy and religion and all the good. You do know this is a human condition, right? Yes. All right. If you just said, what is this country about? And you went and read its history. This country's vision at its inception was to make the world a better place. Freedom, justice, mercy, pretty well biblically centered kind of ideas. We're going to be a country that's committed to that. And somewhere along the way, human beings go, you know what would be better is if we create a world that just serves us. How's that working out politically, culturally? It turns out you cannot find deep purpose unless you live for a cause greater than yourself or you surrender to a person other than yourself. 
It can't be about us, just us. And yet, this is tough. This is tough. I mean, all you people have settled this, but some people, if you ask them, what do you live for? They would have to be honest and go, me. And are you happy? Not really. It's not scratching the itch. As much as I invest in me, as much as I try me, I just feel more sadness. I'm down in my story. I'm down in my stuff. I live way down in here. And whatever happens to me knocks me over. You hear it all the time. I can't take one more thing. This I'm at the end. I'm out of strength. I don't got it. Yeah? You become a reservoir. <laughs> That's not who we are. And Jesus came along and he said, all right, you guys just stay over there. You just swim in your own mess. <laughs> you just go ahead and be whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you look pretty good, but inside you're full of dead men's bones. I'm going to come over here to these people who understand redemption and need, who do crazy stuff. I'll convert tax collectors, and those tax collectors will pay back four times what they stole. Crazy stuff. Crazy, giving, sharing stuff. So that when Jesus then ascends into heaven just before he leaves, he says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go into all the world. And I want you to make disciples. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I want you to bring the kingdom of God to life on earth. That's what I want you to do. Go be the kingdom of God alive on earth. That is the purpose for which you were created. How you do that, that's up to you. That's up to you to figure out. One of Frankel's closing comments is that it is the responsibility of every human being to find their purpose. It is the responsibility of every human being to find their purpose. To not just drift through life wondering because we were created for something. I tell you all of that because we're going to read probably the most difficult parable in the Bible. Everybody ready? Everybody loves this parable. Be interesting today if I just read it and then I said, I'd like for you to write down what you think this parable means. That would be fun. Luke 16. Jesus told his disciples there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. And so he called him in and asked, What is this I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master's taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job here, people will welcome me into their houses. So he called in each one of his master's debtors and he asked the first, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil. And he replied, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it 450. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. Take your bill and make it 800. And the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it's gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either they'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. What a weird 
parable. So Jesus says, I, I'm going to tell you a little story about two people, and, and uh, there's a couple of things that we take away, and somewhere in there we get this, you know, way to go. Uh, you know, you're acting shrewdly. You're more shrewd than the people of light. So everybody go cheat. That's sort of the, how it feels as you read it, you know. Let's notice a few things that are going on in the story. Number one, these two people in the story, the owner, the master, and the manager, both knew their purpose. They had a very clear understanding of what they were about. Now, the master was about getting stupid wealthy. That's what the master was about. So much so that the master was willing to bend the rules and actually break the law in order to become wealthy. We'll come back to that. The manager, on the other hand, had a different purpose. And the purpose of the manager was to do as little as possible and stay employed. We know people like that, don't we? <laughs> but they both understood their purpose. They weren't like getting up every morning and wondering about the meaning of life and what they were. They got up every morning and they had a clear purpose. I'm going to do as little as possible to keep my job and to get a paycheck and to keep food on. I'm just going to be lazy. I'm just going to have as much fun as I can. I'll probably play solitaire on my phone while I'm at work. That was funnier than that. I don't know if it just induced guilt immediately and people were like, oh, yeah. I hope he doesn't continue down this line of talk. It'd be awkward. They got up every morning with a clear understanding of what they were going to do. They knew their purpose. Number two, they strategized their purposes. They didn't just know what they were about. They connived. They figured. They calculated. They had some thoughts and ideas. They strategized how to make it all work and make it all come together. I mean, they didn't just say they had a purpose. They actually, if you actually looked at their calendar, their calendar indicated they were spending energy to accomplish their purposes. They, they were actually living out the purposes in their life. Now, to this point, I don't know how many of you have read this parable and thought, I didn't really understand that the two guys were both kind of corrupt. I just thought it was the shrewd manager that was corrupt. Let's talk about that for a minute. You see, in the day, if you were a wealthy individual, you were allowed to loan money to people, but you could not, according to Levitical law, charge them interest. They couldn't give you money back for the money they borrowed. So the Pharisees figured out a way around the law. And the way around the law was, we won't charge you money, but we will charge you product. So if I loan you money or goods, you're going to owe me goods back. Not money, because that's against the law, but goods. So what we believe is going on in this story is that when the manager calls the people in, he simply says to them, how much interest has he charged you? Oh, you got 1,000 gallons of olive oil, 500 of that is interest. Cut it in half. Cut it in half. You got 1,000 bushels of wheat, make it 800, because he's charging you 200 to use his money. You see, they've strategized their purposes. They've thought about it. They know what they're about, and, they, and they've strategized what it is and how to accomplish the goals that they've set for themselves. Number three, they risked for their purpose. I mean, 
the manager risks his employment, which eventually doesn't work out all that well, although now he has a plan B. Now he has a, another strategy to accomplish the same purpose, which is to do as little as possible and still remain employed. The master is risking his reputation. What he's doing is illegal. It's against the Levitical law. A lot of people are doing it, but it doesn't make it legal and it doesn't make it okay. And in a court of law, he'd be held accountable. So he's risking his reputation. He's risking his freedom in order to accomplish his purpose, which is to make himself ridiculously wealthy. And finally, maybe the strangest one of all is they honored their common purpose in each other. That's the weirdest part of the story. So what, is the, what does the master do when he finds out that his manager not only has been lazy and ripping him off, but now he's called in his creditors and he has forgiven a ton of debt. So he's got a big loss coming just so after he leaves, so somebody else will hire him. What's his response to that? Way to go, buddy. Way to go. Why? Why does he commend him? Because there's not a thing the master can do about it. Can't report it. Can't turn him in. <laughs> to turn him in is to confess his own, you know, responsibility in the whole thing. And now Jesus looks at the crowd and says, the people of this world are far more shrewd than the people of light. Isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? Jesus is saying, you got a purpose. Are you living it? Do you get up in the morning and think, this is my purpose. This is what I'm about. This is what I'm created for. Do we still struggle with that? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus begins to do the editorializing after this parable, he says, if you haven't been faithful over a little bit, Who's going to put you in charge of a lot? If you can't wake up in the morning and say, my purpose in this world is to represent the kingdom of God alive on earth in all of its goodness, in all of its glory. I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be just. I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to be graceful. I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to represent the very... People are going to encounter me and go, that's weird. That person was nice. They are up to something. They are nicer than the average human being. And that's what people in our culture think about the church, that the church is much nicer than the average human being. No, they don't, do they? And why is it? Because the people in the world are more shrewd than the people of light. Because we don't wake up in the morning and go, whatever happens to me today in whatever small way, my purpose is to represent, to be salt and light, an ambassador of reconciliation in this world. I'm going to make it a better place. This world will be a better place because of how I lived today under the presence and power and influence of the Holy Spirit. I will be an ambassador of God in this world today. I will be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And they'll give praise to my father. They'll see the good deeds and give praise to my I'm going to live like that today. Today. And I'm going to do it with my family. Not a single amen. I'm going to do it at work. I'm going to do it at the grocery store. I'm going to do it at the four-way stop. I'm going to do it in traffic. I'm going to do it on the freeway. I'm going to do it in the merge lane. I'm just confessing a little here. Because it's the purpose for which I was created. 
And it's a purpose bigger than myself. And I have to do some other stuff today. But in the midst of that, this is my purpose. And I'm going to be clear about my purpose. And I'm going to strategize my purpose. I'm actually going to strategize my purpose. How can I accomplish something for the kingdom of God today? I'll have to slow down. I'll have to pay attention. Opportunities will come. I don't want to miss them. I don't want to be so caught up in my small story that I forget my greater purpose in the world. Because I can make a difference. I can make a difference today. I will be given opportunities today to make a difference. Will I? Will I be so single-minded in my approach that I understand my purpose? i got other purposes, but the big purpose that I have is to see the kingdom of God alive on earth in all of its beauty, in all of its power, truth and justice and fairness and kindness, all of it. But the world's not like that, is it? But we are. Well, we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be an army of people who walk out every day into this world empowered by the Holy Spirit to be agents of salt and agents of light and ambassadors of reconciliation. That's our call. (laughs) That's who we are. Imagine. You know, Christianity is still the largest religion on the planet. Did you know that? Still the largest. We've done well with that, haven't we? We've really accomplished a lot. I mean, it's a little indictment, isn't it? Man, if the world just got faith, turns out. Turns out that somewhere along the way, Christianity became a self-help program instead of a mission. And the sad thing is, happiness is not something you can pursue. It's something that ensues as you pursue something that is bigger than yourself and outside of yourself. And we know this. And how do we know this? Because we've all do it. We, we do it. When are, when are you the saddest? When I draw in and I look in here and I look at my life and I, uh, uh, I got problems. Amen? And when do I feel best? God is doing something great in the world and I'm a part of it. I might be a tiny part of it, but I'm a part of it. They strategized and they risked. They risked for the purpose. Put themselves out there at risk. Now, Jesus is going to talk about money in a minute after this parable, but he's really using wealth as an illustration of resource. How many of us put our resources at risk for the good of the kingdom? Let me start with one at the top time, sacrifice. How many of us slow down long enough to even notice what's happening around us? Sometimes in the context of our own homes and families. Sometimes because we encounter people every day who are sad, broken, lonely, desperate. I I, I just believe God brings people across our path. Are we willing to risk? Because I don't know about you, but I went out to dinner. I was at a conference last week. And I had dinner with a colleague, and we went to a restaurant, and we sat down and we ordered, and the food came, and they messed up my order. I ate it. You know why? Because I'm too chicken to... Because I'm just, I just don't want to be a problem. 
I kept picking at my plate and moving things around. That's how much, that's how much courage I have. I won't, even, I won't even complain when it's messed up. We ought, we ought to have a little more courage, shouldn't we? I carry that everywhere I go. I think that person looks lonely. Should I talk to him? Nah. I don't want to seem to be a problem. I don't want to be stupid. I don't want to end up on YouTube. I don't want to be on Facebook. Amen? There's some risk in being kingdom people. Sometime we might be embarrassed. Oh well. But aren't you tired of playing it safe all the time? Aren't you tired of never feeling like you can at least care about other human beings? Then I know it's a weird world. Don't be weird. Just be kind. Just be thoughtful. They strategized, they risked, and they honored their common purpose. We ought to do that. We ought to honor common purpose. We ought to, we ought to honor what we see when we see. I, I, I just think about the beauty and the power of what can happen when people commit together. The beauty and the power of what can happen when, when you as an individual say, this is how I'm going to live. I'm going to live this way in my family, in my home. I'm going to beware of the words that are coming out and the demeanor with which I walk around in this world. I, I, I'm going to be aware of what's happening. I'm going to try to look up. I'm going to try to smile at people. I'm, I'm, going to try to be, I'm going to try to act like a person who has been entrusted with the hope of the world. The hope of the world is walking around in here. God's redeeming, forgiving, continuous opportunity to say, Oh, you blew it. You messed up. Get up. Just get up and come on. It's okay. We're going to get there. We're going to get there. Keep going. I carry around this redemptive hope inside of me. Is that evident to anyone? Has my prayer life and my faith life become all about just, please help me. Help me, help me, help me, help me, help me. Happiness is not something you can pursue. It must ensue as we surrender ourselves to something bigger than ourselves. You have a purpose. And by the way, this is kind of generational. When you're young, you're searching for your purpose, aren't you? I can wait you out. I, I mean, remember when you were young? Let's start, let's start there. Can you remember when you were young? Okay, let's shorten the sentence. Can you remember? This might start at the beginning here. I mean, when you're young, you're like, what am I going to be? What am I? I I'm going to be, I'm going to grow up to be something. Most of us said, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to go up and I'm going to have enough money that I can have fun. That was my goal. I don't need to be rich. I just want enough money to have fun. I just don't want to, I just don't want to work my whole life and be sad my whole life. You know, that was a very blurry purpose. It could be. It's a theory. But as we get older, we start to go, well, I think I've passed my purpose. Scripture suggests that you never pass your purpose. Not ever. In fact, that there's a constant nature to your purpose. The question is, will you stay in contact with it? Will you stay open to your purpose? Will you decide that you've done enough and you've learned enough and you've grown enough and you've thought enough and you've served enough and, and whatever all of that is, that it was enough and now you're just coasting, you're looking for a soft place to land. Oh, you know, your goals diminish as you get older. I mean, you know, 
Your goals are like, I just like two consecutive hours of sleep. That's my purpose. I'm just looking for, I got another mattress. It's coming in this week. I got a pillow. It was $6,000, but it's supposed to help me sleep. I don't care. You know, you, people just, we lower our, I want to get up without making a noise. That's my goal. That's my, I'm just trying to stand up without making that, dad, that noise my dad made. I just, that's all I want out of life. It's time to revisit our purpose. From the cradle to the grave, we are ambassadors of the Most High God. Amen. We are to be the living kingdom of God on earth, where His will is done on earth as it is in heaven. And that doesn't just happen on a Sunday when we gather. It happens every moment of every day. We wake up, we embrace our purpose, we strategize our purpose, we risk for our purpose, we commend each other as we work in our purpose. Because we are the kingdom of God, alive on earth. God, as we close and we sing and we celebrate surrendering to you, I pray that you would allow each of us to do some work with you that you would allow us to just uh, to be able to say to you, make us aware of our purpose. Would you forgive us for the times that we make it all about us, our stuff, our issues, our needs, our wants, our fears, us, 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 and us. Not because you don't care about us, you do. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these other things will be added. But simply because you understand that there is a real purpose to which we were created. How we apply it is very subjective. But the reality that you have invited us to be the kingdom of God alive on earth is written from Genesis to Revelation. May we be those people. Will you hear our response to your word, even as we sing these powerful words of surrender? We pray it in Jesus' name, and everybody said together, will you stand as we respond? Thanks for joining us at the Montrose Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.montrosechurch.org. Have a great day.